0: Welcome to Sunday's Lesson with Lane. In this podcast, we will listen to Lane Brown's sermon this past week at the Chandler Street Church of Christ in Kilgore, Texas. We hope this message blesses you as you strive to grow closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many here in this room and in Facebook land, how many have ever had to deal with an annoying neighbor, whether, <laughs> so, you don't have to put your hands up, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I started thinking about, when I thought about that question, I started thinking about all my neighbors that I've had, and I've, had, I've actually been lucky. I think almost all of my neighbors were pretty good. And so then it started me down a rabbit trail of, well, maybe I'm the annoying neighbor. And I had something, uh, Something interesting happened to me earlier this year. Me and my neighbor, a couple of summers ago, we went in and we put a fence in together. And that's our fence right there. Well, the dark half is our fence. Because earlier this year, my neighbor says to me, you know, Lane, everyone likes a little bit of privacy. <laughs> and uh, this past year, we put we put a, a pool in. And our house is is built up a lot higher. We're kind of on the hill. The hill goes goes down, and it, our house is pretty high, and when we put that pool in, we extended it out and made it level from our from our back porch, and so we could basically see over into our neighbor's yard, and I guess they could see us walking around, and so they, he said, what do you think about us putting... A little bit more, more uh, uh, size on our on our uh, on the fence, and he went and he said, "I'll do it all. Just uh, I think I can do it pretty cheap. Let's just go in half and half." I said, "Yeah, that sounds good." So as you see, we have a different color on the top, but I think he did a good job. In one day, he made sure that fence was up there, and he is a fantastic neighbor, uh, always willing to help. But now we don't have to look at each other in the in the backyard, which. That's all right. It's maybe better for him than me, but that's uh, that's that's what we get. Jesus likes to talk about our neighbors all, all, all the time in Scripture. So often he talks about our neighbors and how we treat others. And sometimes when Jesus talks, Jesus is very serious in much of his, uh, much of his teaching. But then sometimes in Jesus' teachings, he's kind of funny. And today we're gonna we're gonna go over uh, a sort of humorous story. One of the funniest things I think Jesus talks about is in Matthew chapter seven, verse three, when he's talking about uh, kind of how we judge other people. He says, "Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye?" Right. That's. That's a, uh, it's, it's very wise, but it's also kind of funny as Jesus is giving us this image of uh, talking about all these issues with someone with someone while we have a plank, like a big board coming out of their own eye. So Jesus loved to work in, at times, a little bit of humor. And so one of the things we'll talk about is how he works in this, this story, or not not this specific, specific story, but a story of how neighbors deal with each other, and it's kind of humorous. And it all is goes after what we talked about two weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember what I talked about when I talked about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is, is a pattern that we pray. There's nothing wrong with, with saying the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus taught it multiple times, and you see it taught a little bit differently in Scripture. And he gives us this pattern of how we pray. So he starts off... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is how we start our prayer as we make God our the Lord of our life. We want our kingdom to be. We want to be in His kingdom because when we are in His kingdom, we are going to have a better life. And then He says for us to pray for our past, present, and our future. He starts off with our present, asking uh, is says says Give us this day our daily bread. And so He wants us to go to Him for our daily needs. He doesn't want us to worry about what's happening six months down the road. He doesn't want us to worry about what's happening 12 years down the road. He wants us to be focused on our daily lives. And one of the things that I'll do with when I was uh, working with the teens and sure enough, the, when was it? Two weeks ago, uh, we were doing our service camp things that teenagers and kids will ask all the time is what are we doing next? What are we doing next? How long will it take to get there? What are we doing next? And I try to tell them all the time, you guys need to live in the moment, or what are we doing next is just going to be in the past, right? So live in the moment. That's what God wants us to do is to live in the moment. So let's pray for the needs that we have right now, and let's not worry about the other things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, it says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own. Today... Trouble is enough for today. So let's concentrate on our present and believe that God is going to work within our present. But he does want us to understand something about our past, and that's the sins in our life. And so we need to remember to go to him and to repent of those sins and not to live that way and to remember that God offers grace and forgiveness of these sins. But he also wants to remind us to forgive others of their sins against you. So it's a constant reminder that we have. But then he does want us to think about something of our future. And it's not, oh, I'm worried about the future, but the future of that. I don't want to put myself in situations that will cause me to sin. And so he tells us uh, to, to, to lead us not into temptation or some versions say to yield not to temptation. He doesn't want us to fall under temptation. And so pray the night before that God doesn't put you or that that you don't put yourself in a situation that you're going to do something you'll regret later, or you don't go around some people that you know that are going to convince you to do something that you know you shouldn't do, right? Or to not concentrate about doing some activity that is going to be sinful and is going to be harmful to you and to God and to the others that you come in contact with. That's the Lord's prayer. And so that's the pattern we follow. Thank Putting God as our as our Lord and Savior, praying for our past, present, and our future. And so, if we follow this pattern, we will have a good prayer life. But where is God in that? That's all of our that's all, all of our communication to God. But where is God in this? And luckily, in Matthew, in Luke chapter eleven, he's going to tell you God's response to this because prayer. It's two-way communication between us and between God, and sometimes we think when we're praying, we might think of it like if has anyone ever seen Twitter? Twitter is, is is really good for I think a lot of celebrities because you can follow what celebrities say. I don't follow Twitter all that often, but you'll if I ever look at Twitter, I'll see all these people just commenting on these celebrities' uh, posts and or tweets. I guess is what they call it, and. Uh, The celebrity rarely answers any of these. Probably there's so many sometimes that they don't even see them. And so we might have this mindset that God doesn't even hear our prayers. And so we have this question, does God hear it? Does God hear when we pray to him about about our present needs, about our past sins, about keeping us from temptation? Does God hear it? And Jesus continues in Luke chapter eleven, and wants us to know most certainly God hears our prayers. Most certainly He hears our prayers, and so He starts off with a story that I think is pretty funny. It's a it's a parable that, he, that He's uh, telling them. He says in verse five, says then He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and He goes at midnight and says, friend. Lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. One, well, I love that he uh, gives us this, this word picture of, at midnight, this neighbor walks over to his next door neighbor's house, you think, and he says, knocks on the door, hey friend, who in this room would, would be excited to see their friend at midnight knocking on their door Asking for some bread for some other friend of theirs. Now me, I'm up late, and so it probably wouldn't bother me too much at midnight. But if he came at five in the morning, I'm not too happy, right? Let's put ourselves in this culture. Uh, if if you grew up in in the '90s and it, like me, you would have you would have seen a commercial that uh, for Motel Six says, "I'm Tom Bodette, and I'll leave the light on for you." Right? Have you ever heard that? Well, there's not the hotels all around that that it's easy for these people to come into. There's not late night Taco Bell for people to go and eat after they go on this long journey. And people did journey at night because they wanted to avoid the heat. And so in this culture, you were supposed to have a culture of hospitality. And so if a friend came in, you're supposed to let them have a place to stay with you. And you're supposed to give them about three loaves of bread. That's about a meal. And so he's knocking on the door. He's saying, friend. I wasn't prepared, you know, shucks, oh me. <laughs> what does this friend do? Is this friend excited about him being there? Well, you can understand this, because this, uh, this translates no matter what the culture, because if someone wakes you up, he says this in uh, verse verse seven. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. Number one, he doesn't return the word friend back to him. He doesn't say, hey, well, friend, don't bother me. No, he says, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. That seems like what my response would be, right? Don't bother me. There's kids in bed. If you think of the culture back then, it was a one-room house. And not only did you have the kids in the same room with you, but you also probably had Your dog in there and the livestock was in there because it had to keep them away from from, uh, things that would steal them or eat them. And so if you're in my house and someone knocks on the door, we have this little black schnauzer that is going to go ballistic at the door and start barking and barking. Everyone's awake. And if you've ever had kids, young kids, and know that it takes a while to put them back to sleep, you just want this guy to get out of there and not wake anyone up, right? I don't have anything to give you, he says. I have nothing for you. Well, there's a way to get what you want, right? And so this guy is going to do something that, uh, is, is, uh, is going to bother the man enough that he's going to get his way. I think about this, this dog that I just told you about, our little black schnauzer named Dirk and Dirk, when we go and put him outside and I shut the door, whenever he wants to come back in, this dog is insane. He just jumps and jumps, just a little, like a, just bounces at the door over and over and over. And he does not stop until we let him in. And I'm sometimes sitting in my recliner. I'm nice and I'm comfortable. And I look, oh, dog, just have fun outside for a while. Boing, boing, <laughs> boing, boing. It just, it doesn't stop. And so he's going to let us let get him in. <laughs> And that's what it says in verse 8. It says, I tell you, though he will not give up and give him bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's persistence, some versions will say yet because of the man's audacity, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Not because of this guy is a a good guy. And wants to make sure that he follows the customs. He makes sure he follows the cultural ideas of hospitality. But because this man's knocking and knocking and knocking. And because persistence is going to be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease, right? So Jesus wants us to think a little bit about that. He wants us to have this backdrop on when we pray to God, persistence matters. But I don't want you to listen to this story and think that this story is the man that's laying in bed is God. Because God is not bothered by your prayers. God does not sleep. God does not woken up by you whenever you're saying, God, help me here. This story is not a story about God and God's response to you. Jesus is using this story to set up something even a little bit greater about who our God is. I think God does want us to understand this idea of persistence in prayer because if you're a parent, you might understand as your kids have gotten older, they might depend on you a little bit less. And that's kind of disheartening. because You want your kids to depend on you. You want want to be helpful to your kids. You don't want to feel like you've become uh, unuseful to your kids. And God wants to have this conversation with us. God wants to continue to feel useful to us. God wants to give us what we want. Just like that man had enough bread in the house, God has everything in this world that he can give us. Everything that we need, God has the ability to give that to us. He's not bothered like the man in the prayer or in the in the parable. So Jesus starts off in verse 9 and he says, "So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Ask, and it will be given to you." The Israelites Things in their world were just going horribly wrong. People were coming in. They were taking them over. They were, they were about to be exiles, taken out of their homeland. And they're sitting there wondering, why is this happening to us? We might not be exiles, but right now we're looking around in this world and we're dealing with, with uh, this virus and, and it's disrupted our lives. What do we do with that? One of the sad things that happens in, in Israel's time during, in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 65, it says, The Lord said, I was ready to respond, but no one asked me for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call my name. Could that be us right now? When we deal with these present struggles, are we calling out to God to help us with these present daily struggles? Or are we just hanging our head in grief thinking he doesn't hear us? He hears us. He's ready to respond. He's ready for us to go out and seek him. But just like at that time, sometimes when our life is in turmoil, we don't go out and seek him. God wants you. When your life is turned upside down, to seek Him, to ask Him. He's not gonna be bothered by you knocking on His door over and over again. He's ready to answer these prayers for you. But sometimes, we're not praying for the right things. In James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, it says, You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So just like in in Isaiah, the people are not asking God for their daily needs. He says in verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Either you're not asking God for your daily needs or your motives are all wrong. You're not asking for the right things. I think about whenever two teams are about to play a game or or, uh, like in the Super Bowl, you'll see a group of them both sitting down and, and they're saying prayers. And what are they praying for? Are they praying for victory for their team? Well, who does God choose who to grant this victory to? Or does he give us this free will to have victory? Their mindset should not be, God grant me victory today, but God, be with all of us on this field and keep us from injury. Most of us won't ever play in a Super Bowl. But a lot of us have gone out for job interviews. And if you haven't gone out for a job interview, you will go out for a job interview. And have you said the prayer, God, please let me have this job. What about the other person that's going out for the job interview? Aren't they looking for the job too? Maybe they're saying the same prayer too. Maybe our mindset should not be, God, please let me have this job. Maybe the mindset should be, God, allow this company to be successful. Allow them to hire the best person available for this job. And God, please give me an opportunity to work where I can best serve you and serve this world. Right? It's a mindset that we need to change in our prayer when we ask for something. We need to ask, not just for something that will please us, but will be good for God's kingdom. That's a hard thing to ask for because sometimes we really want what we're asking for. And right now you might be thinking, but I've said prayers. I've prayed to God about things that weren't necessarily uh, uh, just about me things that would be fine for God's kingdom, and those prayers weren't answered, maybe, is what you thought. Or they weren't answered how I wanted them to be answered. But Jesus wants to remind us, in verse 10 he says, For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. This is where Jesus wants to compare him or our God to the man that's lying in bed. In verse 11 he says, which of you fathers if you have a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Who of you out here that has kids? would give something harmful to your child when they're just asking for their daily bread, when they're just asking for something that will fill their stomach? Who of us would do that? Anyone decent is not going to do that. If they ask for something to eat, we usually feed them, right? Sometimes we're reluctant, but we're not going to give them something that's harmful to them. God is not going to give us something bad if we ask for our daily bread, our daily needs. He says in Matthew, in Matthew's version of this story, Jesus probably taught this story multiple times. And in Matthew's version, he says, If you then, though you are sinful, know How to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Even though all of us in this room are sinful, we're still hopefully, prayerfully decent enough people that we're going to give good gifts to our children, to our loved ones when they ask for them. And God is trying to say, how much greater are these gifts going to be from me? I'm not bothered by you. I'm not even at your level where you're just going to give a good dinner to your child. I'm going to give gifts that are so much better. Good gifts. And in Matthew's words of good gifts, that might make us be a little confused about what those good gifts are. In our minds, it might be those good gifts are the answer to our prayers. And we're going to get that job interview or in that job interview, we're going to, we're going to get that job or that our loved one is going to heal from their sickness, or whatever we're praying for, for our daily needs. We think that's what the good gifts are. And sometimes that is the answer, but Luke is going to give us a little bit more insight of what Jesus means when he says good gifts. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Don't for a minute think that this is a lesser gift. The Holy Spirit does have the power to heal, but it also has the power to give you these fruits of the Holy Spirit. We know the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When I think about prayer, I grew up in the 90s and so that song from Garth Brooks, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Who knows this song? Most of us probably have heard this song, right? And he's talking about this girl that he wanted to be his girlfriend or his wife. And he thanks God that God didn't allow that to happen. That was his prayer. When we pray for someone, God's not going to give us a scorpion. Not that the person was going to be a scorpion, but probably not was, was right for them. But what could God give us? He gives us the gift of His Spirit, and that can give us true love in our life, true joy of a family in our life. We think about times that uh, we were passed on a job, but God gave us patience to wait for the right time, for the right position. We think of the time when we lost a loved one, And if you sit there and you think beyond your daily needs, that is going to be incredibly hard to see how on this side of heaven I'm going to get by without this loved one in my life. But when we go to God, He can give us joy of the memories that that loved one had with us. Our grief can turn to joy when the Spirit is working in our life. It's not easy, but God can take us each day We don't need to worry about all the days in the future. We need to to be focused on right now. God's going to get us through that. He's going to send his spirit into our lives to help us each and every day of our life. If we have that in our life, if we have the spirit's gifts working in our lives, these are good gifts. These are going to give us love in our life joy in our life, peace in our life. We have to have a constant prayer life to God. We need to be connected to him. He's the vine. We're the branches. We get our sustenance from him. He gives us his spirit to get us through today. And then tomorrow, we'll go to him again. Are you going to God with your struggles? We live in a world that's full of pain. This world gives us pain, but God gives us eternal life, and God gives us his spirit to help us through this painful world. Go to God when you're struggling. He'll be there for you. He'll give you that gift. If you need that gift in your life, he offers that to us. When we die to ourselves, when we're raised to him in baptism. One of the gifts that He gives us is eternal life in Him, but He also gives us this gift of the Spirit that's with us always to help us when we go through these struggles. You can have that gift today. Maybe you've already made that decision. You've already been baptized into Christ. Remember to follow this pattern of prayer in your life. Follow this pattern of prayer. Go to God, and when you're having your struggles, pray that He will be with you. He'll give you these good gifts. And you'll find a life of love, joy, and peace. If we can help you in any way, please come while we stand and sing. Thank you for joining Sunday's lesson with Lane. I pray you are blessed by this message and that you will join us next week as we dive into the encouragement God gives us in his word.